0: This is your Startup Community Podcast.
1: Hi, I'm Brad Feld. Hi,
2: I'm Ian Hathaway.
0: I'm Chris Hively, and your host. Your Startup Community Podcast is for any startup community enthusiast hoping to grow your local ecosystem. This podcast has something for every ecosystem actor, whether you're an economic development leader, serial entrepreneur, a co working coordinator, an angel investor, a corporate executive, or a university researcher. Basically, everyone who cares about your community and the startups within. If we do our job right, there should be something tangible for you to take away and apply to your journey as soon as tomorrow. In this episode of Your Startup Community, we're going to explore the topic of topophilia. As you'll hear a few of our guests share, it means love of place. Now I'm sure we all have a pretty good dose of topophilia for the place we call home, but today we want to talk about topophilia through the lens of your startup community. Makes sense since the show is about startup communities and entrepreneurial ecosystems. As always, Ian Hathaway and I will set up the topic and then we'll be followed by two guests who will talk about topophilia with respect to their startup community. We'll finish with Brad who will weigh in on what he has heard from us all, fix things we broke, augment things he heard, and generally provide us some more context of how a healthy dose of topophilia can help accelerate your startup community. Let's get started. Hey Ian, thanks for joining me today. Uh, as we talked about, we're gonna talk about topophilia and, and let me just get started with a really simple question for you. What does topophilia mean for a startup community? Yeah, so first the meaning of topophilia um, is really about
2: having a strong sense of place. You know, uh, we we often call it having a, a love of place that um, gets mixed in with a cultural identity and affinity for, for where you live. Um, Yeah, that idea was first introduced to me by um, Brad Feld or possibly Ross Baird, but um, it came from Governor Hickenlooper of, of Colorado, who himself was an entrepreneur before he became governor and in his final state of the state speech. You know, he used this word topophilia to describe why Coloradans are so entrepreneurial, so enterprising, so resilient, so supportive, and kind of have this sense of pride and stewardship over place and and why all of that has made Colorado such a successful place. Um, I think, you know, I look at sort of two reasons, uh, you know, there are probably more, but uh, two fundamental reasons why topophilia or having a strong love of place is critical for startup communities. The act of building a startup community is about giving to others, right? Um, you're spending your time, your energy, your resources to improve the conditions so that other people can succeed. And, and that's an act of love, right? An act of love for people in that place. Um, secondly, is that this is tough work, right? It takes a long time to unfold, the processes are uncertain, the outcomes are unknown. Um, it's hard to sustain that.
0: And without having a deep love of place, <laughs> it's impossible to keep that going. Yeah, so love of place and this, you know, it's funny because when, he, when you were talking about when when things get tough, you better have a deep passion. I always think about, I can't remember who had the the uh, you know the cycle of entrepreneurship, and you have the trough of disillusionment. I don't know if you've ever seen that, right? Invariably, like after you launch and you're so excited, you're going to kind of the, the the specter of your startup's going to kind of go into this place where you're going to spend months to maybe even years just trying to muddle through this trough of disillusionment. And I always say, as an entrepreneur, you know you love this idea when you get through the trough of disillusionment. And like I've said in many cases. Um, startups are not unlike startup communities right they, they kind of mirror the, themselves so you better have this huge love of place because it's like you said it's a long uh a long slog we're talking about topophilia love and place and you know you've you've met many people um both pre and and in your current tech stars role that are kind of community builders um how do you see love of place manifesting itself in, in other communities that you've been part of yeah. I
2: mean, so for starters, it's just, it's sort of that hearing the language, you know, that you're identifying people who, who are on that mission. Um, they're saying the types of things that show that their love is unconditional, right. They're in it, regardless of what other people's commitment are, is, you know, they're, they're just, they're committed to this cause. It's like a covenant rather than a contract. So maybe it's tupophilia is this unconditional love. Um, I think a lot about um the origin story of Techstars, right? Uh, David Cohen has a great um, history on this. Where, you know, the creation of Techstars was not about, pre, you know, creating this global company built around startup accelerators, right? Being in all corners
0: of the planet, it was just about making Boulder a better place for entrepreneurs. Yeah, I mean, it's a real driver, right? Like an innate in your bones kind of thing. Like I need to make this happen like you said, even for yourself, right? I think both Brad and David wanted Boulder to be a, an even better, you know, entrepreneurial place. So they said, let's figure out how to make this happen in, in Boulder, right? I mean, um, unconditional love, covenants over contracts. I know something we're going to talk about in a few episodes coming up. But, you know, when when good things are happening in an area, in a region, in a city, in the startup community, and I think that, like, people are starting to pick up on this, right? Like, Storytelling is a huge part of building a startup community, and I think it feeds topophilia, right? Because what happens is it becomes contagious, right? And people start talking about, "Hey, did you hear? You know, Joe over there just raised a half a million dollars, or Mary just got, you know, Comcast as a new contract, or someone got into YC or you know TechStars." This thing becomes contagious, which I think only starts to feed this love of place, like, oh my God, our place is special too. Ian, when we're talking about topophilia and storytelling, I find that in a lot of places that are just kind of getting things started and maybe have more of their journey ahead of them than behind them, there seems to be sometimes an emphasis on all the things they don't have, as opposed to there's these little wins all over the place. What, what is not to be a cheerleader per se, but don't, talking about the wins feel better than talking about the challenges? And what does that do to this contagious flywheel effect that we were referring to?
2: I often talk to communities about focusing on the momentum that they're having. Uh, Too often it's easy to compare your region to other regions, right? We've heard the endless stream of comparisons to Silicon Valley. Um, Every community is different. Every community is in a different place today uh, compared to others. And so um, if you redefine what success is, right, success for me would be progress, would be growth. There is a lot more happening than you probably realize, um, especially in communities that are less mature um, successes are occurring, but it's not in a visible way. This is one of the things that we have seen in community after community in the work we're doing at Techstars, which is a, one of the things we're finding in the, in the research we're doing is that there are so many more of those companies that exist in the community that anyone knows about. And I'm talking like an order of magnitude more. And so through this storytelling, you know, it's sort of surfacing that a lot of this is happening, than people realize and giving people a reason to start coming together that, so that there's more of that going on.
0: We've been talking to Ian Hathaway, co author of The Startup Community Way, and a longtime researcher and writer about entrepreneurship, about topophilia. Now, let's bring in a couple of guests who are startup community leaders themselves and get their take on topophilia, as well as share a few stories about their hometown. Early in the birth of Techstar's ecosystem development consulting practice, I secured a pilot in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Fort Wayne is a city that's undergoing a healthy rebirth. The most audacious project with that is the Fort Wayne Electric Works, which we'll find out a little bit more today, which is a former GE manufacturing campus that's about 39 acres, eight very cool historic buildings and more than 1.2 million square feet of space. Um, This is where I met, first met Crystal Van Wallstrom, Managing Director of Innovation at the Electric Works. And uh, a little bit about Crystal, she spent 15 years in San Francisco. She worked for top creative agencies, brand consulting, Landor, KN Associates, and Zenmark. She brings years experience in client and project management, business and brand strategy, marketing, event planning, operations. She's like all of us. She's a, a woman of many talents and experiences. Moved to Fort Wayne in, in uh, 2015, is that correct? Yes. And. Um, She's had a number of different roles there, business development consultant with the Northeast Indiana Regional Partnership, which is an economic development org, Uh, the director of the Center for Creative Collaboration at the Indiana Institute of Technology, which is where she was, I think, when we first met, and the last few years working with the development group, imagining this kind of innovation center and what innovation means to Fort Wayne and the electric works. Like many of our guests, she's lived in multiple places, which I think is Ultimately, what this show is about is about, uh, and this podcast is about, which is about place. Um, She was born in Tulsa, Oklahoma, has lived in Norman, Oklahoma, Austin, Texas, San Francisco, currently lives in Fort Wayne with her husband and seven-year-old twins. Crystal, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast. Today, we're talking about the idea of topophilia. And so let me just kickstart things. And so what does the word topophilia mean to you?
3: Well, it, it I had to look it up. <laughs> I'm like, um, you know, a love of place, and it is something that I definitely have. Um, you know, I think when I moved to San Francisco, it was a no brainer. You know, I had spent a long weekend there, immediately fell in love, and then six weeks later, packed up my car, drove out, and slept on my friend's, you know, couch for a few weeks before I, you know, moved into an apartment, and when it was time for us to leave San Francisco because it was too expensive and we had kids and we couldn't afford to move. You know, I never thought in a million years I would live in Fort Wayne, Indiana. You know, it was the beginning of, you know, riffros going on and it was just contrary to my belief system. And yet that was where we were going. And I was bound and determined to make the most of it. I mean, why live anywhere where you are unhappy and miserable? And when I got here, you know, it was strip malls and strip clubs and chain restaurants, and I started to worry. And then, um, you know, I was like, well, let's get involved. So, I attended an event called My City Summit where they talked about the transformation, transformational projects that were happening in downtown Fort Wayne. Um, One was a uh, riverfront development, um, a boutique hotel, which is going to, which is in, in construction by Vera Bradley, The redevelopment of a historic down uh, street and alleyway downtown, and then electric works. And I said, okay, there is hope. There, you know, I started to see where this could go and I wanted to get involved. And through that process of just exploring and letting my curiosity lead, I really started to find my people and my place and my calling. And I love Fort Wayne. And, you know, part of it is just, you know, a desire and an intent to love it
0: um love a place right so some of us kind of uh are sit back and, and wait for it to come and some of us kind of go create it for ourselves and as a byproduct our community um in terms of topophilia one of the things obviously we want to talk about is topophilia topophilia with and by the way it's not a disease as, as far as we know right it's so a of place <laughs> i'm like Maybe can i get
3: arrested is, for that you can't
0: get arrested for that um uh I had almost so many jokes going there, let's not <laughs> let's not do that, Crystal. Yet, <laughs> okay. um, but with with sp- specific regards to start a community and the ecosystem, in Fort Wayne. How did you first kind of um, find interactions in the startup community, and what did they feel like? And what where did you see the positive vibes and people and activities and you know in this little town of Fort Wayne?
3: Yeah, well, the, the first event that that struck out to me as far as, you know, a startup community was the first One Million Cups. And I think it was in October of 2015. So I'd, I'd been there for not quite six months. I had just gotten the contract job at the regional partnership and their new initiative was supporting entrepreneurship. And there were some local leaders, Dave Sanders um, and Steve Franks that wanted to start, um, you know, a One Million Cup. So I went as part of my job and I found my community. Um, everybody was warm and welcoming. And I had just met Steve Franks, you know, a couple of weeks before, and then he sat down and we talked about entrepreneurship. There was a lot of conversation about, um, we were sitting at Sweetwater Sound, which is a founder success story in its own right. And um, it was just, a, it was an enlightening experience. It was one of those other little touch points that said, there's hope. There's movement, there's progress. And this is, this is where I really wanted to settle because when I, you know, was looking at the strip clubs and strip malls, I'm like, where's the culture? Where's the community? Where's the individual, individuality? And it was lacking. And now when I drive through Fort Wayne, especially downtown, it's thriving. There are restaurants by individually owned people and, um, You know, there are boutiques and you can spend an afternoon in downtown Fort Wayne, which you couldn't do five years ago. Mm -hmm. And so entrepreneurship really helps create that fabric of community in a way that, um, you know, it's hard to find in other ways.
0: So uh, Fort Wayne's a town of the size of?
3: 270,000 people in Fort Wayne and 379 in Allen County.
0: Okay, so 250, 275,000 people there's more places like this in the world than the New York's and the London's and the Berlin's. And what I heard from you is that, that even in a place of about 250, 275,000 people, as someone who had no kind of existing network there, that all you had to do was kind of reach out and that, and the example is in just about every one of these communities, there's three or four people that are your potential new tribe. Right. Mm-hmm. And from that, from those people, the Steve Franks, the Dave Sanders, um, and the others that you that you've met that I'm sure you'll mention along the way, you start to find your tribe. You start to find people that have that have common interests. You have to start to find people who share your your values and your culture, exhibit things like we call give first, right? Mm-hmm. And then the next thing you know, you're you're in the community, right? You're you're in it, you're part of it. And how can you not start to form some elements of topophilia, right? This love of right. place. And, and now the flywheel kicks in, right? So yes. one of the things, you know, um, Fort Wayne is, you know, I would consider part of kind of that rust belt type of thing where manufacturing was, you know, key and the whole kind of economy of the city. Um, GE with 1.2 million square feet. I don't know how many, how many uh people worked at the GE plant at its, at its heyday.
3: Uh, Twenty thousand. Twenty thousand people.
0: The, all those jobs are gone. So, you know, what is the culture of Fort Wayne? I'm sure some of it is um, that the the negative side of the coin is that we have to redefine itself ourselves, and we don't know who we want to be post manufacturing. And we've had a we've had people move out. We've had business shut down and cratered, and and offices and buildings empty. That's the negative side of the coin. The positive side of the coin is that you're probably involved with a bunch of people who are extremely motivated and passionate about bringing a charm, bringing a a, a vision back to Fort Wayne.
3: Yeah, okay, good. Um, I would say, just to start on a positive, one of the first things that I noticed when we moved here was how nice people are. And I know that that might sound silly, but coming from San Francisco where you're always on your guard, you don't necessarily trust people and you you second guess their intentions. Here, when people ask you how you're doing, they really want to know the answer. Um, when they ask you to to attend an event or you know return an email or meet someone, it's a genuine thing. And and it's been interesting how many transplants from New York and um, like uh, let's just say New York have the same first impression. It's Wow, people are really nice here. I don't, I don't understand it. I don't trust it. And then you really have to get into, no, they're genuine. Um, so I think that was one of the first things that I noticed.
0: Let's kind of finish on this question. So as a, um, it's it's crystal uh, in 2015 and 2016. It's a peer of yours that's just kind of getting started and thinking about how to cultivate a better sense of topophilia and their community. What kind of advice would you give? To these people who are just starting to dip their toes into this, in this startup community and their in their Yeah.
3: City. Well, what worked for me was meeting everybody. I mean, this is definitely a town, you know, bef- before I even knew what startup communities were, as far as like a, a practice or a theory from, from Mr. Feld, uh, this town is, has been known for its ability for anybody to walk in the front door and say, Hey, can I meet with the CEO? I mean, pretty, most of the time they will say yes, and you'll get 15 to 30 minutes on their calendar. Um, I've had more meetings with CEOs in this town than I ever had, you know, in San Francisco. Um, and so I think, I think there is kind of an open door policy and a desire to mentor and support, uh, you know, people that, that care enough to call you. Um, and, you know, I think it, it is having that sense of self and that sense of place and that passion and that drive. And for me, it's a vision of what I, I see Fort Wayne evolving or transforming into that, that keeps me motivated. So I think understanding your why, you know, why are you doing this? What do you want to achieve personally, professionally, community-wide, you know, what's your why?
0: A couple years ago, Brad asked if I would put Des Moines on my hot list and more specifically, I would connect with this guy named Ben Milne. About a week before I saw this little opening and I thought it was a good time, I reached out to Ben and I said, I want to come and meet everyone who's doing anything in Des Moines around the startup community. And a week later, I think even less, I was there and just met just a ton of great people. And that's when I realized that Ben Milne was one of the most perfect community builders and leaders that I've ever met. So um, with that, let's introduce Ben to to you all. Um, Spent a couple months at the, you know, born in Cedar Rapids, right? Um, Cedar Falls. Cedar Falls, sorry. Spent a few months at the University of Iowa. A few months, let that sink in for a second. Started a tech company around manufacturing, sold that. And then the big deal, started Dwala in 2008. Dual is a fintech payments infrastructure company. He's raised over $50 million from some of the highest profile investors in the world, including Andreessen Horowitz, Foundry Group, Union Square, High Alpha, and even Ashton Kutcher. Um, In February, Ben made one of the most baller moves I've seen, deciding to step down as CEO, move to an executive chairman role, um, similar to what we just saw David Brown do here at Techstars and uh, find someone to kind of take the company to the next level. Uh, other than Diwali, he's one of the founders of Clay and Milk, which is a local startup community, Iowa-based uh, storytelling platform, which I've been a fan of for years. He uh, sits on the board of directors, the Tech Association of Iowa, Lincoln Savings Bank, inspiration and driver behind a FinTech conference called Monetary, um, and also a regular blogger, which I have passed on certain blog posts to people in my network many times. So. He's lived in a few places around. Remember, this is about place. So San Francisco and uh, um, obviously different places around Iowa. Pre-COVID, considered himself a global resident of Asia, Europe, New York City, and D.C. What does topophilia mean to you with regards to Des Moines and Iowa? I think it's
4: a, a love of place, right? Yeah. And I think when you have a love for a place, you treat it differently. You think about how you're potentially influencing it how you're nurturing it how you're caring for it. You think about if you litter somewhere, somebody has got to pick it up, right? You don't, you know, and treat it like a piece of garbage. You care for it and try to make it better.
0: Yeah. I love that. Uh, I love that analogy of, you know, the piece of trash, right? Like, you know, there's something you're pride, you have pride in and you want to see its best characteristics kind of be front and center. Right. Um, In terms of a startup community, Let's say in Des Moines through the lens of topophilia. What have you seen? What did you see? Kind of when you started getting involved, and then what? Have, how have you seen that change over X number of years? So I, I
4: think it's important to caveat. That I, I don't. My perception is I am. I have observed a lot of change. I don't know that I am responsible directly for any of the uh, somewhat transformational changes that have occurred. I've. I've witnessed them and been here long enough that I think I can speak to some of them. And I think they started with at least the people I originally met when I got to town was with people who cared deeply about the city and wanted it to be not different in a negative way, not better in a negative way, but to create opportunities that are more like what they saw in the past. And, you know, there are three individuals that really come top of mind for me. Uh, Mike, uh, Tej, uh, and Christian around uh, Startup City, Iowa, and way before that, you know, they each had their own individual entrepreneur outcomes in other communities, and they found themselves here and then started finding and creating the network and connecting it without really an agenda, just connecting people. And that for me was some of the first experiences. And then I was fortunate to be able to meet some other folks, um, uh, like Doug Reichhardt specifically. Um, who's responsible for building some really great local companies and really helping the next generation of entrepreneurs come up across a number of different industries. Software just happens to be one of them. And Sukuradia, who was the CEO of uh, Bankers Trust, was doing the same thing. And so they were like curating these new people and sort of teaching them how to behave, if you will, or doing their best to
0: influence them, not control them, but influence them. I think that storytelling is an integral part of a growing startup community and a way to create and augment or support a growing love of place, i.e., topophilia. So when you think about storytelling, like you were one piece of this, right? And I realized you, you know, you were not the driver, right? Because there is not any one driver in the community. There's lots of little drivers. I like to say, you know, successful startup communities are, you know, success through a thousand nudges, each one being, you know only a nudge in itself but when you collectively put all together this flywheel kicks in and something happens. Silicon
4: Prairie News in Omaha that became the megaphone for anybody working in software for a really specific four to five year period and that was like an additional accelerator because the local events couldn't get the message out the way Silicon Prairie News could to national organizations and to news publications and then Ironically, that national amplifier made it easier for the local companies to get funding and do better and be more well-known and then get picked up by bigger national amplifiers like TechCrunch or you know name that Industry Pub. And now Kansas City, Des Moines, Omaha, uh, Minneapolis, these are now individually strong enough where they have their own versions of Silicon Prairie News and their own versions of Big Omaha that are of similar size. That have the same connectivity. So, thanks to them, they created the opportunity for the local communities to do it themselves. And now, the local communities are thinking about, well, now that we have the news sources, we have the uh, amplifier. Do we have the accelerators? No. Okay. Well, let's let's go get let's go build those. It just is rolling now. And I think, even though I forgot your original question because I got <laughs> excited, and like this is what happens when I talk about this stuff. But like over the last ten years, it went from oh my god. I feel so alone to, oh, my God, I have so many meetings with people that are just trying to help that it's more about time management
0: than it is about access. Well, I love your excited, passionate answer, and I was happy to let you let you go on. Um, we're talking about topophilia, love of place. And for a lot of emerging or developing communities, especially maybe ones that uh Used to be something bigger than they are today, and economies shifted. Rust Belt cities, whatever. Right? There's kind of a negative aura to many of these places, and they seems to be a focus on what they lost as opposed to what potential they have. Um, if entrepreneurship isn't about potential, I don't know what else is. But in that sense, whether you know it or not, what you what you did is you outlined about I don't know twelve or fifteen different things that were all coming together. that in essence, told a what's possible and what's potential storyline as opposed to what we've lost storyline.
4: Yeah, it's amazing what happens when there's enough going on that you don't have time to amplify all of it and you get to start deciding what to amplify, probably because hopefully you understand it as opposed to some other interest. But if you make a conscious choice to decide to amplify or spend time on the things that will move you in the community forward, it's amazing how quickly that will consume you as opposed to the whole Misery Loves Company, um, because it will also pull you away at a DNA level from the Misery Loves Company um, problem. And it will attract you again at a DNA level to let's fucking go build a future now. I, I don't have all the time in the world. I only have a little bit of time. That's all I've got. Let's go. And then you just go do that with people who think the same way. And that's a lot of fun and very, very, very rewarding.
0: We've just heard from two community builders, Crystal from Fort Wayne, Indiana, and Ben from Des Moines, Iowa, about what topophilia means to them and the ways in which they help drive a better sense of topophilia in their communities. Now let's bring in Brad to bring us home and share his final thoughts. So Brad, uh, we've been talking about topophilia and what it means for a startup community. Let me just start with something pretty general, like. What does topophilia mean to you in terms of a startup community and how important is that?
1: I translated it into a very simple concept, which is the reason people are willing to invest in their community is love of place. And so the reason people are willing to invest in their startup community is the love of place. It's that linkage between the fact that you're in a place that you want to be better, and not just incrementally, but you love it, and the need, if you love something, to invest in it rather than extract from it. And the essence of a startup community being successful is people investing in it. And so there needs to be a motive force.
0: Right. And it's got to be a big motive, right? I mean, not big, but it's got to be not incremental, as you said.
1: and and persistent over time. So, you know, one of the comments I make to people around time is when I say, look, you have to have a long-term view to your startup community. Well, I think I only wanna be here for a couple years. You know, I'm not sure this is where I wanna be. Uh, That's fine. But what then is their motivation and incentive for investing in that place? And there can be other motivations. I want to build a network. I want to get to know people. I want to, many of those things though, are beneficial to them rather than beneficial to the startup community. So I try to reorient their thinking so that they're getting the things that are beneficial to them from the investment they're making rather than the reason they're making the investment is to have something that's beneficial to them.
0: So in hindsight, how do you think what we now call topophilia helped you and your efforts in boulder you know when you showed up all those years ago
1: well very powerful and i didn't know the word when i showed up in boulder right amy and i moved to boulder uh from boston in 1995. within six months you know we'd fallen in love with boulder and knew that that was where we were going to live uh we fell in love with colorado broadly speaking uh and Because we were deeply committed to this place, it was very, very easy for me, even though I was traveling all over the country and making investments in lots of different parts of the U.S., uh, it was easy for that to be the focal point of a lot of my energy around that startup community, again, didn't have a language for it in the mid-90s, but around the startup community that I was developing. Where you are 20 years from now is not going to be the same place you are today. And understanding that that evolution is a key part of it. But that deep connection, that deep affinity to a place is so essential for being a motive force for the amount of energy you have to put into something over the period of time that you have to do it.
0: So in terms of start a community, what kind of things can someone do to kind of affect either with themselves or with their community a greater sense of topophilia? Are there things that you could do to kind of turn the amp up a little bit?
1: Sure, it's looking at that place you call your home that you have topophilia for and recognizing that any place needs many, many different types of people engaging with it to make it a better place. If you look at any city, let's just use cities in the United States, but it's true, any city in the world was effectively a startup. People showed up at a place for a reason. There were natural resources. It was because we're two rivers connected. There was good land, you know, or you were driving, you know, in whatever your 1800s equivalent of a car was, <laughs> your, your, your vehicle and your, you know, your wooden axle broke. And you're like, okay, this is where we're going to stay.
0: I think here's good.
1: <laughs> right Here's good. Um, or, uh, I like to joke that the way Boulder actually became a city was all the hippies in the sixties were heading from the East coast to the West coast. And they ran out of gas somewhere in the mountains around Boulder. And they're like, this is a good place. And Hey, let's just hang here. Um, all of those places have a startup and then an arc and that arc comes from the resources they had, and those could be physical, natural resources. They could be intellectual, they could be cultural. They could be financial. And if you look at cities today and say, what are the investments that people in the city make to make the city better as individuals, not as government, but as individuals? Oftentimes, there are things like education, schools, colleges, uh, private schools, um, the arts, you know, art, music, Um, those types of things, Uh, the environment, parks, um, lots of conservation-oriented areas or um, outside venue-type areas. They don't just have to be public. They could be private. Um, You have all of these kinds of things happening, all of the cultural investments that get made over time, I would assert that the innovation economy is just another part of that investment stack. Yeah, You have to be investing in the innovation economy in your city for your city to stay healthy long term. And so when you start to look at it that way, it's not so strange, right? It's like, okay, I get it. I love this place. And yeah, there's a lot of ways that I would have financial returns from my investments in this place. I build a building, I buy a this, I do a that. But I'm also, as somebody who loves this place, willing to invest in you know, the art museum, the symphony, the school system, the this, the that. Why not have that same frame of reference around the startup community?
0: I love that idea that uh, this isn't in some ways anything special, you just have to kind of decide to have intent. Um, Crystal talked about kind of having intent, right? Like you've just talked about the intent of saying, we're gonna have an innovation economy. We're gonna invest in the things that make that special. We're gonna figure out how to connect the dots, right? Um, in, in many places, too many people wait for something to evolve, right? But I think when we talk about topophilia, it's deciding that you're gonna have intent. Does that make sense to you?
1: Absolutely. It's active participation in creating what's happening. And part of that active participation is the recognition that it's a complex system. And complex systems don't have deterministic outcomes, so you know, you're just putting lots of inputs into things. And those inputs that you're putting into things are really key. And in the in the context of that, if you have no intent, if it's just random or it's passive, you're not really adding anything to it. You might be a beneficiary from what happens, but you're not helping create the thing. Right. However, if you have to define clearly what you're doing uh, in advance, it's not and what you want the outcome to be, it won't work. So intent is a good word because intent is vague enough in terms of the specifics of what you're doing to create a lot of latitude so that many different experiments can.
0: Ian Hathaway, uh, you know, your co- co-author on Startup Community Way and, and someone that I've um, worked with closely over the last four years, when we were talking about topophilia, used a word that I hadn't kind of entered my vocabulary. And he talked about stewardship, which also feels like the idea that I think when stewardship is much stronger, right, kind of word. It's saying I'm going to take some responsibility for what my place is going to be. When you guys, when you think about kind of your stewardship, would you say your stewardship has moved from Boulder to Colorado in a way?
1: Uh, Maybe somewhat. Um, I think that stewardship is a very powerful construct for a period of time, because it can be very motivating to feel like you're in a position of stewardship And the implication of stewardship is one that has a long time arc. For me personally, as I've gotten older, uh, one of the things I have shifted from is this notion of feeling responsible for a particular thing versus being available to actively engage with and help. And so that feeling of responsibility for the thing for me hasn't shifted so much from Boulder to Colorado more broadly, but instead it's this mentality of, I have topophilia for this place called Colorado. It's not my responsibility to make Colorado awesome, but I'm available continually to engage in lots of different things that, Some of them are in my direct self-interest, so that's the motivation. Some of them are philosophical, some of them are emotionally rewarding, and some of them are to support or help a friend or a colleague. One of the phenomena, at least that I think that happens in startup communities as they get richer and more robust and more mature is that people who have been doing these things early, like I was, can start to have different kinds of involvement because the mantle of continuous leadership is not on your shoulders. The startup community has to embrace endless people who want to engage in leadership. And the people who have been leaders can come in and come out and disconnect or play different kind of roles. And it's important that leaders also be willing to you know, play supporting roles in different things. And all of that does link back to topophilia, because if you really love your place, you want more and more people playing leadership roles. So you want to create more and more room for more and more people to create leadership roles. Uh,
0: that was awesome. When uh, Ben Milne, our good friend from Des Moines, who is just one of the most awesome people in the world, when, when I talked to him about topophilia in Des Moines, Iowa, he used this analogy like, I guess I kind of couched it as pride, but kind of picking up the trash along the side of the road, like not letting it, and I just wondered if that kind of analogy does anything for you and, and how you would kind of map that back to topophilia.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I, 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 like the, I like the analogy. Uh, I, I love Ben. I think he's a wonderful thinker. Um, you know, when you care about a place, you want to take care of it. And when you want to take care of a place tasks are not below you and so you have to be willing to do things that you know might be whatever they are and the picking up the trash analogy is you know if you love the place you're at you see trash on the side of the road if you don't pick it up you don't actually love the place you're at right because trash does not actually make a place better no And the cost and effort involved in picking up some trash on the side of the road is not meaningful. Now, if you're in your car going 65 miles an hour down the (laughs) highway and you see some trash on the side of the road, you're probably not going to stop your car, pull over and pick up the trash. So it's context specific. But that notion that you're continually trying to improve things when you see them from your frame of reference is a very powerful a way to move forward
0: it's almost like the definition of character is what you do when nobody's watching right like you're not responsible for the trash but you see it and say i don't want my place to look like this because visible matters right so i'm willing to
1: no one's going to no reward you for picking up the trash but you're going to feel intrinsic satisfaction that you just made your place better and that is linked to this whole concept we've been talking about
0: in this episode of your startup community we have unpacked the notion of topophilia or love of place and discuss what it means to a growing startup community as well as how you and your community peers can embrace the concept to the betterment of your ecosystem. From intent to stewardship, but not responsibility, from picking up the trash to a funny thought about the formation of Boulder, Colorado, Brad, and I reveal why an investment in your innovation community unlocks so much for so many. Until next time, I am Chris Hively, your host of your startup community.